0: let's just um i'm just going to continue in the spirit of that prayer father we thank you for your your presence here god um we recognize that you're in the room already you've called us to be here with you and to be here with, with each other so lord um i pray that your holy spirit comes lord i pray that your word would fall on good soil Lord, we know that your word will accomplish the work that you've set for it to accomplish. And Lord, we participate in that work. Lord, whatever you have for us today, we receive it with gladness and with joy. Your kingdom reigns forever and ever. You and you alone are God. You and you alone are good. You and you alone are worthy. You and you alone are mighty. We submit ourselves to you We bow in your presence. We humble ourselves in your presence. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Christ uh, that we pray. Amen. All right. So we've been in um, the... Do I feel super loud to y'all? No? Oh, yes? Okay. Can you turn me down just a smidgen? Just a smidgen. Okay. We're in our Armor of God sermon series. And um, I... So the first, the first uh, Sunday, she kind of gave an overview of the entire passage, Ephesians 6:10 through 17, and then Doug kicked us off with the belt of truth. Pastor Don hit us with the breastplate of righteousness, and I have feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Y'all, it took me so long to learn how to say that. I just was like, feet, feet fitted, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So let's read our scripture together. Let's stand on our feet. We're in Ephesians 6:10 through 17 and it says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power you can read it with me put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the Day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breath of righteousness in place With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, sweetie God. You guys can have your seats. Okay, so each week we're going through three things that we want you to keep in mind as you're listening to this, uh, to the word. The first thing is our enemy is real, but our enemy is not human. I'll say it again. Our enemy is real but our enemy is not human. A lot of times like, we preachers like to talk about you got haters, you got people hating on you, they hating on your vision, hating on your destiny. Nobody's really thinking about you like that, but the enemy seeks to subvert, delegitimize and divide the church. So we do have an enemy. The enemy is active. The enemy is real, um, but it's not people. The enemy is not people. Just please, y'all said it, So the enemy is not people. Amen. So we'll talk more about who our enemy is and what our enemy does later. Then the second thing is, are we acting like it's wartime or peacetime? Think this to yourself. Am I behaving like we're in time of battle or I'm acting like everything is great? We're eating and drinking and being merry, And that's the only thing I'm concerned about. The third thing is, what piece of armor are we missing that leaves us in mortal danger? What piece of armor am I missing that's leaving me in mortal danger? danger. So yes, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I tried to think of a different name, like a shorter name Uh, for that. I was like soldier shoes, but I kept saying shoulder shoes and I knew that I was going to be saying shoulder shoes while I was talking to y'all. So I'm just going to stick with feet fitted with the preparation, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So does anybody prefer to be barefoot? Anybody at all? Kind of? Yeah. So I I really prefer to be barefoot. If any of you guys have ever come to the office on a weekday and you saw me, I'm definitely going to be barefoot. Doesn't matter if it's 30 degrees outside or the middle of summer. I'm going to be, I actually wasn't always like that. I got that from my roommate, Jessica. I remember the first time she was working at a church and she like, this is literally the, the first within 5 days of meeting her and she just was walking around her church barefoot and I was like this girl is a hick she's from the south and I just thought it was weird but now I'm literally always always barefoot but have y'all ever like been in your house and you have your shoes off and you step on something surprising or wet isn't that weird <laughs> when you step on something wet and you're not expecting it or um You're walking through your kitchen and the floor hasn't been swept in quite some time. And then you're just like scraping, rubbing the debris off the bottom of your feet. So, I mean, those are the times when I appreciate shoes. Another time that I appreciate shoes is literally when I'm at the beach. The beach is my favorite place in all the land. Um, And I'm always, like, I'm always, like, leaving my hotel or whatever. And I'm like, I can't wait to get to the beach. I can't wait to get to the beach. And as soon as you get to, like, where the beach starts, you know how they have, like, those little spigots where you can kind of, like, wash your feet? It's, like, pavement and then beach starts. I... um take my shoes off my flip-flops immediately upon seeing sand and I'm like I can't wait to feel the sand beneath betwixt my toes and I run out there and I'm scalded like it's burning burning hot and then I put on my flip-flops and I'm like man I'm so grateful for shoes like I literally think about how wonderful shoes are and how amazing it is that this little piece of styrofoam is keeping me from the immense amount of pain that I'm currently feeling so I don't ever really think about wanting or needing shoes when i'm in someplace comfortable like when i'm at home or when i'm in my bed or at the office or even here sometimes at the robinson but walking on the fiery sand or on gravel or even bench venturing into the bath i don't go barefoot into people's bathrooms only because not even people's bathrooms the bathroom across the street i remember one time um toya came out the bathroom with a bag of poop in her hand and i was like where did that even come from and she just was like I had to clean it up. There was a bag of visible poop. So I don't go barefoot into there. I suggest y'all don't go barefoot into that bathroom either. Just as a heads up. Right, the toilet overflowed, but Toya had to pick up the bag of shoes. was a bag of poop, literally. So if the beach or the bathroom makes shoes necessary, how much more are we going to need shoes for wartime, right? So let's take a look at these Roman shoes. I think there's a slide up. If you look at these, this, these are nice shoes, right? Cool. So these shoes, look at the bottom. They have the, they're hobnails, right? So soldiers would hammer nails through the bottoms of their shoes, right? Um, so the reason why we're even talking about Roman soldier shoes is because the Bible is a cultural document. Paul used imagery that would have been familiar to his audience. And when describing armor, he would have, Pick, he would have been picturing the outfit of the average Roman soldier. So, yes, these shoes had hobnails in them. They were hammered into the soles, and they functioned as, like, soccer cleats, but they were much sharper. Like, uh, they were very—like, so, Roman, when you're in battle and you're on varied terrain, it could be rocky, it can be um, mud. Like, you have the hobnails to give you sure— Footing. They were also useful as a weapon for an enemy that was falling, kicking people while they're down. That's what that was good for. So Roman warriors, warriors were often going on long marches and doing battle in difficult terrain. And these shoes provided stability and protection, right? So these shoes provided stability and protection. Remember that, stability and protection. What does it provide? And protection. And protection. All right, so when we look at verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 6, it says that um, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What does that even mean? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So let's break it down into phrases. What does the gospel of peace mean? The gospel of peace is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the news that through Jesus Christ, the reign of Jesus, uh, the reign of the kingdom of God is coming to earth and that the death and erection of Jesus Christ um, served to restore people's relationship with God. So the good news is that God's rule is coming, God's rule is here, and that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ puts us in right relationship with God. So... You might be saying, this. that's like full of buzzwords. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you might know what those words and phrases mean. But I want to break down one idea. So it's, when we say the reign of the kingdom of God is coming to earth, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the reign of God's rule. The kingdom of God is the reign of God's rule. It's God's kingly action, God's kingly reign, and God's kingly lordship. The kingdom of God is the reign of god's rule so i asked myself this question i said well if the kingdom of god was ushered in um with jesus what was ruling before if the kingdom of god if god's rule and reign was ushered in in at a a certain point of time what was ruling before i'm glad you asked so in genesis one through three this is i'd love for you guys i want to suggest Something to you, there is scriptural evidence for what i 'm going to say, but I, for the sake of time, I do not have time to go into chapter and verse of exactly everything i 'm going to say, but Genesis one through three will give you a good picture, and you can email Doug for questions <laughs> so and again, like I could this could be somewhat wrong, like the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when he was perfect has come like we 're going to see all things, so we just are going with what we 've got. Okay. In the beginning, God created this world and God created this world. Perfect. Everybody agree with that? Yes. God created this world perfect. God created Adam and God created Eve on the sixth day. And not only was their relationship with God one of son and one of daughter, they were also vice regents. They were given authority to exercise dominion over the earth. So vice regents mean that they were given the authority to speak for God on the earth. They represented God on the earth. That's a royal position. That's a position of high authority. Adam and Eve, not just son and daughter but they were vice regents they had royal seating here on the earth long story short the tempter came the devil satan came and was like hey look eve x y and z this that and the third god told you not to do this thing but i want you to do it anyway and eve was just like yeah i might as well go on and do this thing that god told me not to do and then her husband adam said yeah i want to do that thing that god told us not to do either so when they their disobedience In their their act of disobedience, they effectively unseated themselves from a place of authority. Does that make sense? Adam and Eve, in their disobedience, were in a place of high authority, kings and queens, and they unseated themselves from that place of authority. So because of their disobedience, right? So because they were disobedient and they got up off the seat that God put them on, that leaves the seat what? Empty, open so old satan set his old stinking hunks right down on that seat of authority right are y'all tracking with me adam and eve had authority they gave it up satan saw the opportunity snatched it and sat himself down on the authority of exercising dominion in the earth now you might be saying that seems like you giving satan too much power i ain't all the way with that cool when Jesus is tempted in the desert in Luke chapter 4, uh, Satan says to um Satan says to Jesus, he's like, Hey, Jesus, man, I know you're hungry. You've been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And Jesus is like, I surely is hungry. I'm certainly hungry. He was like, Eat this bread. And uh Jesus is like, No, man, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out, the mouth of, out of the mouth of God. And then Satan says, Look, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in an instant. Satan showed this to Jesus. He said, look, I will give you these in a moment if you would just bow down to me. Jesus wasn't like, you ain't got, you can't do that. Jesus was like, no, nah, that's not what I'm finna do. Jesus acknowledged that Satan has authority in the realm of of this earth, and even out of the mouth of Jesus in John chapter 14, he calls the devil the prince of this world, right? So why is this even important? When we talk about the coming kingdom of God, when we talk about the gospel of peace, we're talking about an unseating of the prince of this world and an end to his kingdom and an ushering in of God's kingdom and God's rule and God's authority. And that's important because the devil is big mad about that big big do you know is very angry that's what that means <laughs> god <it. laughs> the devil is very angry about that because listen because even though you might be saying to yourself well if the kingdom of god is here how can we still see um you know evil in the world and we see like bad things and it seems like darkness is still controlling the earth because the kingdom of god is here but it's not fully here. And it's consummation. Jesus brought the kingdom of God, right? And he's sharing it with us, but it's not yet fully. So like, think about it like this. And I wish I could remember the other G rated example, but, um, this example that I have is, um, so like, if you get married, and you are completely married if you marry your spouse, right? Like that's true on the we- like the wedding day you sign. Once you sign like the thing, you're married before God, right? But you can go to town hall and get your marriage annulled if the marriage isn't consummated. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, so. <laughs> You are still very married, but the consummation like seals the deal. It's there in its fullness. But we're, and we're waiting for the day when the kingdom is here in its fullness. So while we're waiting in this in-between period when the kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet here in its fullness, the enemy still has some power that, it's, that he's wielding. He knows that it's over for him. He knows that he will eventually meet his ends, but there's still a significant measure of power that he's wielding. And those of us who are followers of God, and who have aligned ourselves with the kingdom of God are no longer subject to the rule of the enemy. We're no longer subject to the rule of darkness in this world. And that is why the enemy seeks out the church. I'm not saying this is the only enemy's only tactic, but it's one of them seeks out the church and wants to divide us, wants to delegitimize us and wants to subvert us. He wants to make us look like fools so he can continue and strengthen his influence over the people in the earth, right? now are y'all tracking with me all right so <clears throat> because we are members of the kingdom of god we are engaged in a war as members of god's kingdom we're joining in the work of bringing the kingdom of god but remember the enemy is big man and he's not gonna go down without a fight okay fine since we're no longer subject to Satan's rule, we look to free everybody else. It's like a giant game of capture the flag. Anybody ever say capture, uh, play capture the flag? It's a super, super fun game. So you're in like this big like field, right? And you divide it into two teams. Let's say there's like 40 kids or humans, 40 people. And there's 20 on each side, right? And the, each side's goal is to capture the opposite team's flag. So when you're... If you're in enemy territory and a member of the opposing team tags you, you go to jail, right? And how does anybody know the only way you can get out of jail? Somebody who's, somebody got to come get you. But can somebody in jail come get you? No, somebody free got to come get you. So when you're free, you have the ability to lose people from the snares, from the control, from the tyranny of the enemy. And the devil, again, is big mad about that. So we're in a war. This is the gospel of peace. We listen, we were all enemies of God. We were all on the opposing team of God. But Jesus Christ, the victor, came and snatched each one of us out of jail so that we have power to go and snatch each, you know, anybody we come across out of jail. So we who were once enemies of God have been brought close and have been reconciled through Jesus Christ. And not only are we reconciled, not only has the broken relationship between us and God been made right, but He's making us hope. Holy, and he's making us free from accusation okay cool so let's pull back right so we got into what's the gospel of peace and we said the gospel of peace is the good news that the kingdom of god the rule of god is coming to this earth and that the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ puts people at peace with god so what does it mean to say um what is the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace all right listen If we're partakers in the gospel of peace, that is, if we've aligned ourselves with the kingdom of God and denounced any allegiance with the kingdom of darkness that rules this world of sin, that makes for a super solid foundation. Another word for readiness is preparation right? So our shoes are not actually just the gospel. Our shoes are not the the good news of Jesus Christ, but our shoes is the preparedness that comes from knowing and believing and accepting the gospel of God. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? So it's not just the gospel of peace, but it's the preparedness that roots us, that gives us that sure foundation like those hobnails that, um, that, uh, is our shoes. Okay. So another word for readiness is preparation. We need to, in order to be prepared, we've got to be aware of what the coming kingdom of God is. We already talked about that. And aware of what the gospel of peace actually is. And that means when we're prepared by that, that means we are alert and aware of the influence of the enemy in this world. And when we're alert and we're aware, we're ready and we're able to stand our ground in the evil day. If our feet are fitted with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace, that means we are alert and aware of the worlds we're operating in and of our enemy and the way he operates. One more time. If our feet are fitted with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace, if we're prepared uh, for, with the gospel of peace, that means we are alert and aware of the world we're operating in and of our enemy and the way he operates. So, What do these shoes provide? They provide stability, right? The Roman shoes had hobnails. So those hobnails like dug into the ground. And stability is super important when you're in battle. I usually hear the word stability when we're talking about like financial stability or relational stability or vocational stability. That's really important. And I think stability is something that we seek after. So I've been doing uh, yoga for like three days. So I'm an expert. And so there's this one... Uh, I don't even really know the name of this pose. It's like a three-legged warrior. Is that a thing? Warrior pose. But then there's okay. So I'm doing like a yoga-pilates mix thing. So and it's they ask you to do this three-legged yoga, and I'm gonna try to do a mild version so y'all can see what I'm talking about. You um. So it starts with. I'm so nervous. I have really bad balance issues. I didn't know how to ride a bike till I was 25 years old. Okay. So it's like you lift up, you're balancing, right, huh, killing it. But then it's like tilt your torso forward, feel the energy, ignite your core. And as I'm doing that, I'm literally, okay, I'm literally supposed to, okay, I'm literally supposed to, y'all get the picture. I'm supposed to eventually be like this, right, but completely balanced, completely looking forward. And what they tell you to do is find a focal point. So that's what I was doing just for that, like, half second. I focused on that chair in the back. You have to find a a focus point in the room in order, like, center your energy there and just also so you won't fall over. And so when I'm doing this pose, I have, like, severe, like, competitiveness, right? And I want to, like, just with myself, nobody else cares, but I just want to make sure I can actually do the pose. So my attention is completely on the focal point because I can't balance on one leg. I just can't. I'm going to fall. Literally somebody could come and set the building on fire, but I'd be locked in and engaging my core, like focused on that one focal point. And so the point is this, when I'm unstable, my focus and my energy is on being stable. That's the primary thing. I'm worried about keeping myself upright. So if I'm focused on that, on that spot on the wall, or if I'm focused on, oh, I'm wobbling, I'm wobbling, I can't see no attacks from the enemy. I'm unaware. I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. Soldiers on the battlefield needed shoes for stability when they were on rocky terrain so that they could keep their eyes up. Taking in their surroundings. So that's what the preparation of the gospel of peace does. It allows you to be able to see, Lord, this is the the enemy. This is the enemy. Because uh, in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, this is a New Living Translation, it says, stay alert Watch out for your great enemy the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. You can't stay firm if your attention is all over the place. When you're unstable, you don't know what's going on around you. You're unable to discern, unable to discern what's God and what's not. What's spiritual attack and what's just normal vicissitudes of life? You don't know what's up or what's down. You're left scrambling. And let me tell you something, the devil doesn't always look like a pitchfork and horns. The in scripture Um, the Bible says that the enemy comes disguised as an angel of light. It's not always what we think. The Bible says, listen, we might think that there's a way right to us, but the end thereof is destruction. And if we aren't fitted, if we aren't stable, if we haven't been prepared in the gospel of peace, we're going to be misapplying scripture and looking all over and scrambling all over the place. And we won't be able to stand our ground. Not only will we not be able to stand our ground, we're leaving ourselves open for attack and you've also been re- we've also been rendered ineffective and impotent. So these shoes, these soldier shoes, warrior shoes, they provide stability. They also provide protection. Roman shoes has, have thick soles. I kind of like to go to the gym sometimes, kind of. And in the gym, you have to wear shoes, right? Because what if you drop a dumbbell on your foot, like? I mean, if it's a naked toe, it's going to be bad either way. But if it's just your naked toe, your toe might like splatter all over. I'm literally picturing your toe splattering all over the place. Or at least your shoe can keep the blood inside. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. <laughs> Shoes give you protection. <laughs> or like when you stub your toe in the middle of the night. Maybe that's a better picture. Shoes protect you from this. When, you're, when so- soldiers are on the battlefield, there could have been rocks, thorns porcupines thistles briars you can get maimed or or even less than that distracted and what happens when you get hurt what happens when you're hurt on the battlefield you fall listen if your feet are impaled there's not much fighting you can do when you fall you're left wide open for attack the bible describes satan as an accuser of the brethren Picture this, you're lying on the battlefield. You didn't put on your shoes right. You're not prepared. You're scrambling. Your foundation is found in other things, your identity, your job, your friends, your relationship. You're just that's what you have built your entire life. That's what you've built your relationship on God on. You're lying on the battlefield and you're injured. And here comes that old lion devil to harass you and to accuse you. And here's the thing about the devil, the devil is so sneaky. Because the accusations aren't always lies. It's often stuff that we did. At least that's the truth for me listen, the enemy will remind you of your past failures, your past shortcomings. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You've sinned too recently in order for God to use you. How can you be sure that you're actually really saved? But listen, here's the gag, y'all. The lie is this, that any of your shortcomings, sins, and failures have the, have the power to bind you up. This is the lie, that your shortcomings, your sins, your failures keep you inactive, that your shortcomings, shortcomings sin and failure still have a hold on you that's the lie so many of us are on the battlefield bound and gagged because we believe the lie that we're only as good as our distance from our last sin instead of trusting in the in the breastplate of righteousness the righteousness that comes from God, the righteousness that he imputes on us, the righteousness that doesn't come from anything that we've done. But it's what God sees when he looks at us. He's declared us holy. He's declared us able to be used. He's declared us righteous in his presence. Where, so? But instead of that, instead of us being victorious and standing firm on our ground, we're literally maimed, crippled on the ground. And it's a crazy battle. It's a crazy, crazy battle. And like when we're thinking about the world and we're thinking about this spiritual war that we're going on, the enemy is busy and he's trying to keep us from moving forward. He's trying to keep us from moving and sharing the gospel. He's trying to keep us from freeing our friends that are in jail, like in that capture the flag game. But listen, at the end of it all, when we are rooted in the gospel of peace, when we're rooted and grounded, what we have on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, we'll literally be standing firm and we'll be looking over at the bodies of our enemies. And that's not people, Remember? We'll be looking over at the corpses of poverty, of death, of oppression, of depression, of fear, of failure, of hunger, of despair, of loneliness, of divorce, of division. We'll be looking out over that when it's all said and done because we've prepared ourselves with the gospel of peace. So you might be saying, how do I put on these preparation shoes? One, one, one practical thing. Speak the promises of God over yourself. These are places where we can see kingdom breakthrough in our own lives. We can see the kingdom breaking through. So, for example, we can say, Lord, you're slow to anger and abounding in love, and you forgive sin and rebellion. And in 1 Samuel, uh, we have this promise that the Lord doesn't look at the things that man looks at. Man looks like out, at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And another passage says, that even though you bring grief, you show compassion. So great is your unfailing love. Then in Mark, we hear, when we lose our lives for Christ's sake, we find our lives for the first time. In the book of Acts, we have the promise that God has given us the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to enable us to be witnesses of the good news of life in Christ. In Romans, we have the promise that all things are working together for the good of those that love him and have been called according to his purpose. and that that God's will for us is always good. It's always pleasing and it's always perfect. In second Corinthians, we have the promise that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our, in all of our troubles. And he also, we also have the promise that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, but listen, not every promise is super joyful. Jesus says this, in this world, you will have trouble. That's another promise. You can speak that over yourself. But listen, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Speak those promises over yourself and trust, God, that you will see kingdom breakthrough, to see the kingdom breaking through through those promises. Okay, another way that you could put on these preparation shoes. Uh, find a believer who's bearing fruit and living free and copy them, do what they do, follow them as they're following Christ. Like Sean and Sarah said, they, you can't do this thing alone. We're not created to be in this life alone. When you're in battle, when you're a soldier, so many soldiers make up an army and all soldiers together, are the ones that push, uh, the army forward. It's what makes the army up. And then three make room for the Holy spirit to give you direction. Allow the Holy Spirit listen, if you there's our church is really pressing into this Holy Spirit thing, and if it's weird for you, it's weird for other people too. But like let's just press into the third person of the Trinity because that's our comforter, that's our teacher, that's our guider, and our the Holy Spirit wants to have an active role in our lives. So, I mean, I'm trying to give you practical steps for how to have your feet fitted with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. But listen that don't absolve us from having faith. Everything that I'm saying is kind of crazy. If you think about it, this whole thing that we're doing, we believe in a God that we've never seen. We believe that that God has sent himself and, uh, lived, walked this earth, and took on our sins and died for us and rose with all power in his hands. And not only did he keep that power, he gave that to us. So listen, if you want to be clothed in the armor of God, it's going to take an exercise of faith. You've got to have faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You don't get, you don't get around having to exercise faith. That's a part of the deal. But listen, I know there's some of us in here that might be like kind of skeptical, but like, there's like a little something in us that's like, maybe there's something to this. Maybe, uh, there is something to this God thing. There is something to this spiritual battle. I can see it in my life. I can see it in the world. And I would invite you as, um, the choir comes back up, worship team comes back up. I would invite you to take these next few moments of response and just consider, what if this whole thing is real? What if you can be free from the tyranny of sin and darkness in your life? What if you no longer have to be a slave to your own will? What if you could just live life freely and abundantly? Because that's a promise that's available to you. Others of us in here who already follow the Lord. I want us to ask ourselves, how prepared are you? How prepared are we? Am I scrambling? Am I fitting my feet with anything else? Have I even put my shoes on? I'm going to ask the elders to also get in place, our prayer team. I'd ask that you would just reach out and receive prayer today. That the Lord would... Um, overshadow you and overtake you and that you'd be a willing member in the putting on of the armor of God. God wants you to put on that armor. It takes an active willingness on our part. So I pray that you'd consider that in these next few moments. It's uh, part of the culture of our church. We say, listen, Once a month, you should be going and receiving prayer from somebody else in the room, from one of the prayer team. It's just as an acknowledgement of, you know what? I can't walk this thing alone. I need help. I need somebody to join their faith with mine and say, listen, we soldiers in this thing together, help me, bear me up. So I I pray that you would just take these next several moments and um, just be present with God. Be present with each other. And just remember that it's a grace that God wants to clothe you with, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This gospel of peace has come to set you free. It's come to set your neighbors free. God wants you to be on solid ground. He doesn't want your feet to slip. He doesn't want you sliding or sli- uh, slipping.